Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Dr. Sherlene Obobi. Dr. Obobi is in the midst of her fellowship in cardiology. She is a brilliant cartoonist and an absolutely incredible author who comes on the show just after the release of her amazing new book, On Rotation. We get into how she creates and executes around the priorities in her life, doing all of the different things that she's doing and the high level at which she's doing them, the career arc that she's on and how it has the potential to shift paradigms, and also her just incredible enthusiasm around being creative and what kind of impact enthusiasm and creativity can have. She is the definition of being pluripotent, and it was just so much fun to speak with her. The book is amazing. If you haven't had a chance to get yourself a copy, highly recommended. Links in the show notes. And obviously, follow her on social media. The links are in the show notes there. She is on a really, really exciting trajectory. It's going to be fun to watch things develop for her. Before we get to the conversation, a reminder, check out the entire archive of Explore the Space podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show, Instagram at Explore the Space Show. And please do subscribe to Explore the Space podcast wherever you like to download your shows. Please do leave us that five-star rating and review. That really helps us out. And hey, when your friends ask you, what are you listening to? Make sure you tell them you're checking out Explore the Space podcast. Word of mouth really helps us out. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. And don't forget to check out the Explore the Space merch store, www.explorethespaceshow forward slash merch. So now it's time to go on rotation with the outstanding Dr. Sherlene Abobi. Let's get to it. Sherlene, welcome to Explore the Space podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I've reached out. I reached out to people that we both know in our social media and profession of medicine universe to tell them that you were coming on. And people were very excited about this. But I reached out not to brag. I reached out. I don't normally do this, but I said, look, this is really cool. Charlene's coming on. Her book is out. We all know her as a great artist. She's a cardiologist. Like, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> what do you want me to ask about? And I don't normally do that. Universally, we're starting in the same place, and we're going to give the people with what they want. Uh-huh. The things I just said, you're a great artist. You're a super talented artist. You, you, you're a fellow in cardiology, which means you're, you're almost done with a lot of training to become a cardiologist. <laughs> and you've written an amazing work of fiction on rotation. Your new novel has just come out. The question that everyone frames, and I have it too, it's, you've probably gotten it before, but I, we're going to get more specific, is 
in the space of medical training, how did you do all of this stuff? How did you write a book? How did you do art and do them really, really well when the priority is to learn how to become a cardiologist, which clearly you're also doing because you're almost done? (laughs) It's a really good question. And you're right that I I get it quite often. And I have a two-part answer to it. Um, The first is what I tell everybody. And that is that, you know, I create for my own well-being in order to express myself and process the many complicated emotions that come with being a practicing physician. The second one is one that, like I said, I don't always give. But the reality is that, in my opinion, medical training prioritizes a lot of things that are very time-consuming, but aren't necessarily in my opinion, very edifying for as a person and for people's humanity. And in a lot of ways, I didn't prioritize those things <laughs> during my training in favor of prioritizing the things that I was very good at and that brought me um, joy and helped with my self-expression. And so I'm like, I would say that if somebody looked at me as a medical student, you know, my grades were good. They were good enough to get me here, right? But I didn't have a 270 step score, right? Like I did what I needed to do to for my patients. I didn't try to grind out as many abstracts as possible to kind of get me to the next stage. And I, I have like I have an attending who actually worked with me when I was an intern who was almost shocked by how capable I was as a clinician as a clinician, right? Um she she uh, later on at some point told me that, you know, I kind of didn't stand out as much as a medical student um, because I was doing all of the stuff that was probably deprioritized by others, but uh, that I prioritized, but that she had since working with me was going to reevaluate how she evaluated medical students, right? How she saw them um, and their potential greatness, right? All that to say that I, I at, an, at an earlier time in my career, my, uh, my training, I just put emphasis on things that maybe I was told or directed not to put emphasis on. <laughs> I love sense? hearing that. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. And I love yeah. hearing it because I didn't. And <laughs> I am still at 46 years old dealing with the consequences. Mm. I'm a good doctor. I'm competent. I didn't need to deprioritize all of the other things in the way that I did and in the way that sort of was proposed to me that I felt totally like enamored with and seduced by in the, you know, Academy of Medicine. Right. And I I derive extraordinary satisfaction seeing you and others who have that same ability to maintain and, and maturity, quite honestly, to maintain the sense of themselves as a whole person. What does the word priority and prioritization mean to you specifically? And how do you deploy it? You've said it a couple of times. I wrote it in my notes. For you, when you think about prioritization, right, it can be very ethereal. And we all say it, it becomes right. a platitude of you have to prioritize. On a Wednesday afternoon, you're post-call, you're back in service in the ICU tomorrow. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you have to prioritize. And then for the year 2023, you have to lay out priorities. How do you actually execute so that you can do these things that you're doing? I think a priority in, ten, in terms of both passion and time, right? Um, that in the time, the time part is the most obvious. I think to most people, it's like, what do I spend the most time um, doing in the, in the little time that you have, like you're saying, post-call and going into the IC the next day, right? 
Um, and that's that's more concrete. But the passion aspect, I think, is a little bit harder to pin down, right? In that maybe I don't spend two hours sitting down writing, right? Because I, I have to give time to, say, my husband, right? And give time to my basic needs like sleep, right? But the passion part says that I will spend a small amount of time and but give a large part amount of effort into the thing that I care about, right? Um, or the the other this as, um, this aspect of myself, this creative aspect of myself that I care about. So it means that I will I wrote a lot of on rotation, for example, while I was walking up and down hospital halls, right? You know, on my phone, literally while down. you were walking. Yeah, like, and if people Ooh. are in the hospital, people in Chicago, if you see me walking, I'm often looking at my phone, <laughs> um, and that's because I I writing or I'm putting down ideas and sometimes I'm posting on the social medias, but I, I, I spend that like little window of time doing this thing that I care about. That's amazing. So as you're doing this passion and time equation, mm-hmm. where does transparency fit in with respect to the, like the things that you mentioned, right? Your teammates and colleagues, your husband, mm-hmm. your family, so that they have situational awareness to know where they kind of fit in as opposed to wondering what kind of a priority am I for Charlene mm-hmm. and am I moving up and down the scale? How, how do you integrate them so that they, right? One of the parts of, of the book, there's a failed relationship in the book. Right. I think a lot of us can speak to medical training and relationships and the impact and intersection of medical training and relationships. So for you, how do you kind of share that situational awareness of your prioritization with others who want to be prioritized? Right, right. I think this took a lot of practice. And I think the main thing that I did was to figure out how they want to be prioritized, right? I have, for example, my husband often just wants to spend time with me, right? Like, (laughs) just wants me to be like, in his presence, right? Which may mean that I, it, it can be as simple as I sit and watch him play video games, and I can draw at the same time. And as long as I'm still having a conversation and exchange exactly 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 totally um exactly and so i i just find the unique ways that people uh, i figure out what they need from me basically um and i try my best to give that um there are times i think with creative jobs that only becomes difficult in times like this for example i'm in the swing of publicity right so like i can't necessarily have shared proximity during those times right but for the most part it's pretty it's it's doable it's hard um and <laughs> i hard. continue <laughs> to struggle with it. that sort of transparency does not necessarily come naturally i want to switch mm-hmm. our friend dr jasmine marcellin had a question and i liked it and jasmine's awesome she's been on explore the space before she's a collaborator she's a friend she's amazing i would love to know what kinds of stories she wrote as a kid love that question i do too it's awesome it's awesome it's so thoughtful and no one has asked me that before and way to go jasmine i love it yeah go ahead go ahead jasmine so i've i've been writing stories and telling stories since i was a child my my mom actually um but my parents recently sent me some books that i wrote when i was younger and like you know my 10th birthday i had my first book launch Right. I'll share a picture of that. On, it'll be the it'll be in Friday. the archives of Dr. Shirlene Obobi. It'll be in the in the official <laughs> library and papers. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. And you know, when I was a, uh, like six years old, I wrote about 
the, the things that I like. So I had a, a little story about Lucky the dog and Lucky's little misadventures, right? And when I got a little bit older, um, I wrote about like girls who were like me, like so like little black girls who also were like, I would draw from the books I was reading all the time. So they were often orphaned or had some kind of family situation going on, as I feel a lot of um, kind of middle grade books usually um, refer to. And then in high school, like um, it's, I, I wrote a book in high school as well, which embarrassingly is pretty easy to find. If you Google me, you'll find it. Um, and we self-published it. And the thing that's funny about my high school book is that that was around the time I started hearing pressures from other people about the stories that I was telling, right? Um, and so, you know, I'm a black girl, obviously, and I was in a, I was grow in suburbia at that time. I've kind of grown up in a lot of different contexts. And every time I would try to write about another black girl at the time, people would ask me whether the character was me, right? And I, and then they would always paint it as though me be writing something that was semi-autobiographical was, would diminish my talent. So I wrote a character who was a white woman, right? Because I didn't want to feel any of that. And I was sensitive to that at the time, um, which obviously has changed. Um, but On Rotation was a, definitely a book I felt like I needed to almost get permission to write. Um, and I tell a lot of people that, you know, I didn't even start it. I, I went through a very long lull until I saw a, a talk by Juno Diaz um, in which he very expressly was speaking to the writers of the room and he's like writers of color in the room and said, look, like you probably heard this message that you can't insert any aspects of yourself into your writing, which is directly like it's, it's it, um, other writers don't get that, right? We're told, write what you know. Um, and I had been so scared of writing what I, uh, I knew for so long that it was freeing to hear that from someone who was very successful. And now I have a book out. <laughs> I'm about a Ghanaian American medical student, right? Uh, so <laughs> it's it's an amazing kind of architecture. How much do you feel like you have to push against type as you're creating a book like this, right? About a Ghanaian American physician. Mm -hmm. How much do you have to push against type and push against the Academy of Medicine, writing a book in training to push against perceptions of what you should be doing, well, all of that stuff. How much did you have to do that? Or was it not much of a barrier? I would say it wasn't a barrier for me because I had a lot of practice in being true to myself. Um, but I, I, there was definitely, you know, if not explicit pushback, definitely devaluation of what I was doing, right? Definitely minimization of the potential impact. And I think that's going to continue until I'm too big to ignore. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but it's it's true though, because you know you can imagine. Right? I mean, look, I, I I I do what I do, and I I know what I know. It's really easy to say, you know, you're you're being a dilettante. You should be paying more attention. You should be giving grand rounds talks. You should be writing papers. That's the that's the the bread and water of of the academic profession of medicine. Um, and pushing against that in any way, shape, or form can make people, I think, probably pretty uncomfortable for a variety of reasons, not least of which, what happens if she's successful? Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for me mm -hmm. and the dreams that I've deferred if this person who's going through training and now crushing it, what does that mean for me? That is that is legit scary. <laughs> it's, a, it's paradigm shifting. Right? Legit paradigm shifting. What happens if we see people realizing their dreams while still realizing the dream of being a really good doctor? What happens if we come to understand these things can happen in parallel, that they don't have to be in opposition? 
That is that is a legit paradigm shift. How much do you want that smoke? Oh, I mean, I'm already getting it. <laughs> and I you know what? I'm okay with it, right? Yeah. This may come across as having a little bit of chosen one syndrome, right? Which I'm, I'm going to be real. I have it a little bit, right? Okay. It hadn't occurred uh, to me, but okay. <laughs> but I do think there's a certain amount of power in the fact that I'm a black woman in a profession that is like, what, 12.5% women and 12.5% underrepresented minorities. And that has very much held tightly to this idea of what academic position should look like. And that I'm in academic, uh, I'm a, I am a, in academic medicine and I'm at a uh, ivory tower, quote unquote, institution in academic medicine. And that I'm pulling this off, right? Because I think that in my opinion, academia is an enclosed space, right? The people within it know each other. They know of these important trials and they can elevate the importance of all of what we do within academia. Um, within the space. But the moment you exit it, that all kind of goes out the door, right? Because lay people don't interact with with JAMA, right? Or they don't interact with Jack, right? Lay people read romance, though. Right? <laughs> you know, they, lay people watch TV shows, you know, they absorb entertainment. And there, I think there's a lot of fear about what it may look like to still remain true to of clinical medicine and academic medicine in some sorts while also doing this other stuff right and um and while also appealing to a much broader audience like uh, to a lot of people you know i think that there are going to be of course there are going to be some people who feel like what i do diminishes them and who react by trying to diminish what i what what i'm doing right um and i'm okay with that i've kind of come to terms with it and I'm hoping that me doing this will encourage other people to follow suit. There's an approach to this and it's in the book of bringing the mystery of medicines of the mystery of the profession, the mysteries of training kind of to the people, right? Writing a, writing a novel about the profession is doing exactly that. It's a form of entertainment. It's, it's giving the people what they want and it's meeting them where they live. If you want to yes. get to a mass audience, go where they are. They're not coming to you. That's just not right. going to happen. And that's a whole other conversation about how medicine can inform the public better. You use a tool in the book that I love, I think might be controversial. I don't know, but you use a tool in the book. And I was like reading them first to try to figure out what was in the text. Uh-huh. Footnotes. <laughs> Your yes, footnotes were footnotes. so good. I loved all of them. <laughs> My controversial footnotes. My book in general is pretty controversial because uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot. Um, but the I love I love footnotes in general. Yeah, I think that in and in, in the context of my book, it is my book is first person and it's a very close first person, right? Um, you're supposed to really try to see the world through Angie's eyes and through her emotions. Yeah, yeah And yeah. I chose to do it that way because I didn't want on rotation to read like it was explicitly educating right angie wouldn't yes right like i wanted it to be i wanted people to learn by osmosis right but someone's both but you did both because (laughs) the footnotes is like you doing the director's commentary yes (laughs) yes i loved it i still want them to learn But you do like people will read it and be like, oh, so that's what my friends talking about when they talk about the step exam. But I, that's what I loved about it as I was like kind of harkening back to like you'd get the DVD with like the director's cut 
where you hear the person like, oh, yeah, in this scene, they actually felt it. Whatever. I love that you're informing the conversation because that was you. That wasn't the main character. I felt like it was you being like, all right, just to cl- just to make sure we're on the same page here. Right. That's what this is. And I, and you used a lot of them. That was great. I loved it. <laughs> no, I and I, I felt like it was necessary. Yeah. You know, um, because I didn't want people, you know, I think people watch, for example, people watch Grey's Anatomy. And when <laughs> when they're watching Grey's Anatomy, yeah. they're just spouting medical terminology that totally. sometimes doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> sometimes and you're the, being generous, yeah. <laughs> And the intention isn't for the audience to understand what's going no, on. Like those of us who are physicians who have the training are like, that's, that's what it happened, right? right. Um, but the intention is to set a mood and a, an atmosphere. And I explicitly want, I want people to actually understand what's going on and to walk away and be like, oh, I learned something. I may not have realized it, but I learned something. Yeah. The one thing I learned and I want to reflect on with you, my favorite footnote was about, and I'm using air quotes for your friend, Shruti. I don't know if that really is their name or not, but that they ate a Subway sandwich on the stairwell. So I've eaten burritos, like traversing the hospital. I've done the whole bagel, um, the whole, um, you know, smoothie in the bottle. Like from like that is very, very real, like banging down as many calories as you can in like 90 minutes, 90 seconds to three minutes. Right. Did, did that did the, did the Subway sandwich on the stairwell really happen? I don't think it was exactly a Subway sandwich. Okay. But we got sub. We used to get Subway for free lunch at, as residents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like it was the perfect resident meal. You know, <laughs> <laughs> portable like not that doesn't good, drip too much. Yeah, not, exactly. Not that exactly. Good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there goes Subway sponsorship. But that's all right. Sorry. And I thought it also illustrated in a lot of ways just how fast paced yeah. um, and uh, the environment is for residents and trainees. I, I mean, I get I, I didn't necessarily intend for this book to be that stressful. But the amount of comments were like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Because people are, are kind of understanding. I want them to get a glimpse into what it looks like to be training in this, in yeah. this field. No, I get it. You know? Training is super intense. And I think one of the things that we that makes it intense is we do kind of compare ourselves to others. And in that space of people asking you, like, how did you do this? And we say in return, like, it's important to follow your passions and et cetera, et cetera. I think we're actually creating a little bit of attention there mm-hmm. because people who enter the profession, they're not going to replicate what you're doing. They're not going to be a great graphic artist, cartoonist, author, and cardiologist. But we don't also want them to expect that that is now the mantle of success either. So someone's going to say, well, I can't write like Shirlene. I'm not going to pursue these things. I'm just going to get locked in. How do we keep people from kind of going down that road and not kind of comparing or expecting to meet some artifice that Mm -hmm we're just kind of creating out of thin air so that people can continue to follow the passion of wanting to be a doctor and the passion of X, Y, and Z that makes them a whole person. I try to do that. I do this, especially on my Instagram. I am very explicit about how unglamorous being doing everything that I'm doing is right. And how there's not really room in medicine to do this and how replicating, I wouldn't even necessarily suggest replicating what I do. Right. I actually quite often, because I get a lot of medical students who reach out to me 
and I ask. I imagine so. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. And I often tell them, look, you know, I made it through because I happened to be clinically strong in my third year, right? Um, and I, ha- I also made it through by forcing myself to do all the things, the checkboxy things that you need to do to be able to get to the next stage, right? And doing all of those things was miserable and exhausting, right? And I did it because I made a choice and I also got lucky, right? I got lucky that it worked out. And that right now, I don't know whether medicine is built for everybody to replicate what I've done. Um, I think that hopefully one day it'll get there, but it's not there yet. So I, I try to combat it by, I like, I'm like, don't put me on a pedestal, right? I'm a very regular person. <laughs> I just happened, I'm, I got lucky, I was talented. I, I, these are talents I've always had, but I've also been working on and fostering for years, you know? And I stay true to myself, but it was hard and it's not going to work out for everybody. I think that that's really good advice. I would imagine it's still going to be a recurring theme that comes up where people, right, they see it, whether it's on social media or whatever, they see everyone kind of living their best life and they don't see the grind. They don't see like you making these decisions around prioritization and things that you may have deprioritized or nights that you may not have slept much. They just see the end result and the well-earned credit and praise and podcast appearances and book tours and all of this sort of thing. (laughs) But that's, it's blood, sweat and tears that gets you there. It doesn't, there's no coincidence. It doesn't fall on your lap. Like you gotta, gotta grind hard, hard. Yeah. And And it's a risk. You don't know whether that grind is going to work out. Right. Right. It has worked out brilliantly for me, Yeah, but it's not going to work out for everybody. And to do it in training is 10 X because Right. The, the the engine that drives all of these projects that we love to do is a solid foundation in clinical medicine. It's being a competent right. physician who knows how to handle themselves. Um, you don't have to be like the greatest doctor to walk the halls, but we want to be able to take decent care of patients and be good, good teammates and good communicators. You got to learn how to do that. Right. That's a skill set in and of itself. And that's what medical yeah. training is for. You've you've walked that road in a in a in a, in a, in a remarkable way. Uh, and I think that that even in and of itself is like worth some down the road reflection for like all of us to kind of learn and benefit from because it's pretty unique. Thank you. And I I will attribute a lot of the my ability to balance to the fact that I haven't let go of my creative expression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. Because I do an enormous amount of reflection, and I feel like a lot of in medical training we get taught in a way to do more repression if anything right oh and for sure yes <laughs> yeah. that speaks directly to me absolutely <laughs> right and i think that being someone who is constantly reflecting has helped me be a better clinician right interesting yeah so and of course i haven't i'm, I'm not done right um, i still have i'm still training right but i'm what four years deep into <laughs> practice yeah so so i think that um they kind of have been informing and bouncing off of each other for some time now yeah that's that's good context and look i'm not saying all of these things because i want to ever discourage anyone from pursuing things that feel right and meaningful but we just need to have that note of pragmatism and we need to again prioritize we're taking right. debt. We're going to be up for long hours. We're going to go be medical students in, in our 20s and 30s. 
Mm-hmm. Make sure you're paying attention to your priorities. And if right now you need more time at a book, more time on a rotation, more time getting mentorship to learn how to yes. take really good care of patients, do that. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then these other things will come for sure. Yeah. And everyone's road is going to be different. But I think when we fall into that trap of comparing ourselves to others, that's where the road that you've walked can be really exciting for somebody, but they need to understand exactly what it took to, to walk that road. Exactly. In walking that road, you are one of my favorite people to describe on social media using the term that I love pluripotent. And we've learned that in medical school, right? I love yeah. that term. I use it a lot. Uh, it's a great one. And it applies to you because, right, artist, writer, cardiologist, family member, spouse, all of these things, right? When you learned that specific term in medical school, did it resonate in any sort of way for you, given that you'd already written books and you'd already been doing things? Or is it just this other person on social media who then said, you are pluripotent? Like, okay, that's kind of cool. Or something in between. You know, maybe something in between. I didn't even think about it back then. Because I would say, you know, we've had this whole conversation about how in the field we kind of devalue anything that's not um, in the box of academic medicine. And yeah, I definitely yeah. devalued myself yeah. in that way. Yeah. And so, I mean, Mark, I didn't even tell people I wrote, right? Wow. Like, yeah. yeah. Nobody knew. That's why even now when people, people find out that I have a book out, they're like, Oh, is it a graphic novel? And I'm like, no, actually it just works. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it, it, like we don't know. And it was something I kind of kept to myself. Uh, I had to be pushed to share my comics by one of my good friends. Right. Cause it was, you know, I, I thought it was, I, I bought into this idea that it was cute. So I didn't, like, I, I knew I was talented, but I didn't necessarily think of it in the positive way that you've made, like, pluripotent be this incredibly positive thing, right? Um, and I didn't think of it that way, probably until maybe a few years ago. I still struggle to share the fact that I am a podcaster and a public speaker with my colleagues at work. Most of them don't know. It's a, oh, wow. it's a weird dynamic. I don't know how many know, but I certainly don't advertise it. I don't make a right. big deal out of it. It's a very, very strange thing. But my reflex is different than it is when I'm out and about or tweeting or hanging out with my friends. Um, it's just it's very different. And I think it comes from, like you said, right? We are somehow kind of inculcated in this diminish the whole self. And just uh, it's it's a strange thing. That all being said, I do have a question. And I. I am hoping for a certain answer, but we'll see what we get. So you're an artist. We've established that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cardiologist, good to go. Mm-hmm. Writer. Mm-hmm. Producer. <laughs> Is this going to get you optioned? Know, you, how do I put this? You can not say anything. I can't tell you secrets. Okay. But there are secrets. How about that? I love it. Because mm-hmm. that means you get to come back on the show. <laughs> we can talk about it off air. <laughs> what kind of response are you getting? On rotation, that's what we're talking about. I'm holding my advanced copy. This is rad. I love getting advanced copies because there aren't that many of them. Yeah. It's yeah. available now. We're going to have links in the show notes of where to get it. What's it been like? The book is out. People, friends, colleagues people that you've never met before, they're getting it, they're buying it, they're reading it. What's it like? 
Oh, it's it's a very bizarre experience. I'll be is honest, it? right? Is it? Yes, because you know, I've never felt this exposed in my life. Wow, <laughs> and that's funny because I have a social media following with thirty four thousand followers. I was going to say, right? yeah, but I, I always I just tell all my stuff to, but <laughs> somehow this because it's not just that people are reading it because you know. Art requires two people, right? There's the person who's producing it and there's the person who's consuming it, right? And the people who are consuming it take different things away from it, right? And sometimes the things that they take away aren't necessarily what you intended for them to take away. Sometimes they take away things that are new, right? That maybe like you didn't even think about, but you're like, actually, yeah, that that would line up, right? And, you know, and then sometimes people don't understand it at all, right? And so I think it's this very strange thing where I, I on the one hand, I, they, I think that, you know, my, the reception for annotation has been incredible, right? Um, I feel like if I was devaluing myself before, um, I didn't really, I'm a solitary writer. I didn't really have like a writing group. I didn't do an MFA, that kind of thing. So I, who knows what I was like, oh, maybe I'm no, no good, right? But I think all of my trade reviews, et cetera, <laughs> have um, gotten rid of that fear. But, you know, there are people who read my characters a certain way that maybe I didn't intend to, people who resonate with the medicine, people who saw a stethoscope on the cover and are still upset that there's medicine. There's people who like, you know, there's also this um like there there are aspects of uh whether a, like uh, characters are likable or not, right? Or relatable or not. Right. And that's gonna vary depending on the audience. You know, um, some people, I, I joke that there's Team Angie, my main character, and Team Ricky, right? And that people <laughs> feel very strongly either interesting, way. About, interesting. Oh, my gosh. It's Sometimes it's exhausting. I'm like, okay, okay, guys, they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, um, and people who feel seen, right, and who tell me they feel seen and who are making art based on my art, right? Like, that is, that, it's something else. It's like, it's, it's a... It's an indescribable experience, even though I just tried to describe it. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I love it. That's yeah. really, really great. Where do people find On Rotation? Where do they find you? You can find On Rotation anywhere books are sold. Um, I love when we support independent bookstores, you know, so that is, those are the places that I would go to first. You can go to bookshop.org, for example, to, to order from an independent bookstore, uh, excuse me. But there's also Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera, any of the retailers. And then where to find me? Um, my tag is at Shirlene Abobi, O-B-U-O-B-I on Twitter. And it's Shirley World MD on Instagram and Facebook. I also have a website that's just my name, Um, And I have like a contact uh, form there if, if you ever want to hit me up. Shirley Whirl is one of my favorite social media nicknames. I love that. I think it's really good, especially given like the world of all the things that you do. I just think it's very, very clever. Shirley, this is a treat. I love On Rotation. I love what you've done with it. What you're doing with your career is extraordinarily exciting and you are a change maker for doing it. What a blast having you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a blast talking to you. My thanks once again to Shirley for joining me on this episode of Explore the Space podcast. Links to all of her social media are in the show notes. Links to the book on rotation in the show notes. She's just a blast. I, I think that the reason that so many people are falling in love with this book and love her art and just love following her and seeing what she does, it all comes through in this episode. I had so much fun speaking with her. This was an absolute blast. 
And thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thanks to you so much for listening. We will be back soon with more great content. Please do check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast, as well as the merchandise store. Both you can find at www.explorethespaceshow.com. Please do share with your friends what you're checking out. Word of mouth really helps us out. And feel free to email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Hit me on Twitter at ETS Show. Instagram at Explore the Space Show. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.